The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to connect with chapel family, for the opportunity to sing your praises, the opportunity to pray to you and ask you for guidance. Lord, I pray that this morning would be a morning where we uncover and discover proper motivation for connecting with you, that it wouldn't be the lists of do's and don'ts, that we wouldn't add things to the Bible that aren't there or take away things that are there. Lord, help us not to be enslaved to the dark side of religion. Help us to be freed by Christ and him alone. Give us ears to hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen. Mark chapter 7, verse 1, religious people. These are religious people. How many of you here grew up with a weird religious rule that you don't think is in the Bible? Anybody here? Okay. How many of you here grew up thinking uh, or living the Sunday best? You have to dress your Sunday best? Okay. That's an example. It's not in the Bible. It doesn't say wear your Sunday best anywhere in the Bible, but many of us grew up doing it. We're going to get to this, though. Ooh, we're going to get to this. Ooh. I just got to breathe. Hold on, Lord. Okay, help me, Lord. Okay. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him, to Jesus, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. This is literally talking about my children in this passage. Kids never wash their hands, but they're sick all the time, probably. I don't know. I tell them to wash. For the Pharisees and all of the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace... They do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches, otherwise known as being a regular suburban person. They wash, they clean, they have hygiene. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, What do your disciple, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But they eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines in the commandments of men. Let's stop right there. Okay. I need someone to give me a rule, a church rule that you grew up with. If you grew up in the church, I didn't grow up in the church, so I I didn't know any of these rules. But if you grew up with a church rule, I need some help. Some church rules that you grew up with, you you thought, man, this is how it's supposed to be. But then you discovered maybe they're not in the Bible. I'm not sure. Any church rules out there? Okay, yeah. No clapping during worship, says the Presbyterian. Yes. Yes. I mean, worship, there could be rules on both sides. I remember going to one uh, church gathering where I didn't know I wasn't allowed to raise my hands. I was literally singing to Jesus. I was already a Christian at this point. And an usher, I was sitting on the, the right side of an aisle. An usher came over to me, didn't talk to me, didn't tap my shoulder, literally grabbed my arm and starts moving it down like a lever. And I looked over, I was like, what? He said, we don't raise our arms in this church. I said, okay. What about the Bible verse that says, raise your arms to Jesus? I didn't say that. I should have. I could have. But there's, there's different worship styles that, that some people say, this is the way it has to be. Some of you grew up in the worship wars era where like the only thing God loves is organ music. And if it didn't sound like a carnival, it was of the devil. Some of you are like, no, like we need drums because we've heard people try to stay on rhythm without them. And it's bad. 
we have all of these traditions, the Sunday bests, the what you can do and can't do, clap your hands, don't clap your hands. And these are the traditions of men overlaid on top of God's word. This is what I do not want to happen at the chapel, to add things to our lives in Christ that are not in the Bible at all. And the scary thing is that we all do it. First service, I said, what are, what are some things that you grew up not allowed to do that may, maybe aren't in the Bible? And one of the people said, not allowed to watch, I wasn't allowed to watch movies growing up. And some of you are like, oh, not watch movies? Those of you who gasped because you're under 30, you know? We had to use VHS tapes back in my day. It was laborious to rewind everything in that Corvette car rewinder. There's like just three of us in here. <laughs> and I said, could you watch a movie about Jesus? And, and they said, maybe, I don't know. It's one of the rules that we have. We have all of these rules around Christianity, but motivation matters. The Pharisees said, why don't your guys wash their hands? Because washing of the hands is symbolic. It was symbolic to the Jewish people. Hopefully it's symbolic to you today. Be clean. It's good. We want to be clean before God. So we have the external act of washing our hands to say, look, I'm going to make sure cleanliness is what comes into my body. Now, we're going to find out next week that it's not what goes into your body that makes you bad or sick or say terrible things. It's actually coming from the heart. But for today, I need us to look at the fact that we have rules, too. And I, I could prove it. At the chapel, we judge people like crazy. We just, we're good at judging people because we're Christians. That's what we do. It's bad, but we do it. At the chapel, we're casual, right? I've seen people come in, suit and tie early on, and some of, some of the chapel people that are, you know who you are, the shorts and flip-flops, you haven't showered in three days kind of people. You look at those people and you're like, oh, suit and tie, ew. Now, here's the thing. You can wear a suit and tie to honor and love Jesus. And you can wear shorts and flip-flops to love and honor Jesus. Your motivation matters in everything that you do. The Pharisees' motivation was, I want to be seen a certain way so that other people will revere me, honor me, accept me, and we are no different. We have all of these weird rules that we've put around us so that people will see us as different. For example, dancing. Are you allowed to dance in a church service? Some of you would say yes. Some of you would say, if you're not dancing, you're not spiritual. Some of you would say, if you are dancing, you are of the devil. I remember that guy putting my arm down. I'm sure Erica has memories of people saying, we don't clap here. We don't clap here. And sometimes in churches, you have to learn the rules. You have to come in. What are the rules of this church? What can you wear? What can you not wear? What can I raise my hands? Can I kneel down? Can I lay down? Here's a good rule of thumb for the chapel. If you find it in the Bible, you can do it. The Bible says, praise the Lord with clashing cymbals. So we give them to drummers. We do put a cage around them because they're wild beasts, but we give them to them. The Bible says, praise him with the harp and the lyre. That's not people who tell untruths. It's an instrument that looks like a guitar. So we just play the guitar. The Bible says, shout to the Lord. Sometimes Rhea's like, everyone shout to Jesus. And you guys are like, hey. Oh my God, the Bible doesn't say hey to Jesus. I want us to understand that when, if it's in the Bible, we want to gravitate toward it. When I started reading the Bible, I learned all of these things. You know, all of the, the sub rules and side rules, and I learned how to break them and use scripture to beat people with it. Because my motive was no longer, I want to be free in Christ. My motive was, I'm going to teach these religious people a lesson. 
my motive when people told me, you know, Christians, you know, we don't dance. Remember, I came to Jesus later in life. I was already like, I had missed my senior homecoming. I had one dance as a Christian. The rest of my dances were as a heathen teenager. And I remember people thinking like, well, we don't dance this way. Like, wh- what way? Like, I need someone to tell me, what am I allowed to do in 1999? Like, which, can I do this? Yes, you could do that. Can I do this? No, you can't do that. I didn't know how to act. I was a bad new Christian. And then I came across this glorious verse. Because the church that I was plugged in at, they weren't hand-raising people. They weren't clapping people. They definitely were not dancing people. And I came across this verse in the Old Testament where David was dancing before the Lord. David, the guy who killed the giant with a rock. And it says he danced before the Lord in front of everybody in his ephod and linens, a.k.a. in his underoos. And his wife saw him and said, David, that's how I picture him, her talking to him. David, what are you doing? Put your clothes on. And David said, many of you know this. You think this is bad. I'll become even more undignified than this. I mean, could you imagine? In his, in his underwear, like the equivalent of like someone in here in their boxers, and their wife says, put some clothes on. And you, you think this is bad? Hold my beer, woman. You watch this. Ah! Yeah, I don't know what it was, I don't know what he was gonna do. But then when people said, oh, they use the Bible, we don't dance. We don't dance in the Bible. Really? Because we dance in our underwear. Man, you got mad at me for showing my underwear. This is back when sagging was a thing. Now I realized I was a child and I pulled my pants up. But it was crazy to me. We make up all of these rules about things that we can do and not do. And then what happens is you get on one side, you say, My way is the right way, and their way is wrong. You know what? If somebody doesn't dance for Jesus, dude, you rock that solid boredom for Jesus. I'm going to move. If someone just wants to clap for Jesus, you clap for Jesus. If someone next to you is like, I'm not a clapper for Jesus, good, you probably have no rhythm. Don't. The thing is, is that our motivation when we approach the Lord matters, and the way we perceive others matters, and it's so difficult because we live in an image-saturated world. Everything is about what you see, and it's so much less now about who we are as humans. I, Instagram is this thing. It's, if you don't know what Instagram is, it's the kids use it, people. It's this app. And teenagers, they're good at it. And you're like, what do you mean, good at it? I don't know what you mean. I mean it's just take a picture and post it. No, no, you don't understand. Um, I'm, I'm like mi- middle-aged, okay? I'm, I'm near my 40s, and I'm right there, right? Just at the peak of the valley, because tall people, we die younger because we're bigger. Anyway, middle-aged. I try to do Instagram, you know, and I'll post some picture of me, and it looks just like me, because it's a picture. <laughs> I've been, why do you see these kids, youth group or anywhere, I see them out Starbucks, they take these pictures, and I don't even know what they're, what they're doing, man. They're like, And they take the picture, and then, like, if it's someone I know, I'm like, dude, I know you. You don't even look like that. That's a miracle picture. Instagram's got some Jesus magic in there. Because I don't know what they do, but here, we, we kind of do it. Like, there's a different phase for me. Like, I do these fitness kicks, like, every other week. I'm like, let's try something new. And one of the things that I've done before is you take these, like, before and after pictures. And, like, you don't do the same thing because I'm not a teenage girl, so I'm not like, mm, but i got to, like, document if I'm changing. So I'll go in the bathroom, turn on all the lights, tuck, 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 and I'll get my camera, and I'll like, be like David was when he danced. 
and this is not in the cloud, just so you know. I'm, like, I'm going to take a picture of myself for documentation, and I'll look at myself and be like, let me just turn off one of these lights. Let me get this light. I want this light that like comes down at an angle. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, let's turn off one more light and one more light. And then when it's dark, I'm like, mission accomplished. Here we go. And we're trying to make our image be something that we want to see. I mean, I'm not going to get into makeup because I left my mascara at home today. And I'm not, I'm not anti-makeup, by the way. I think it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. One of the Chapel family members said, says, if the barn needs painting, you know, I'm like, whoa, I could never say that. But you're a woman. Good on you. Paint that barn. Uh, could you imagine if a guy called a girl a barn? It's too close to Valentine's Day and, and, and death is right there. But we're just obsessed with image, obsessed with it. I mean, I, <laughs> I try to dress in what my wife buys because she buys my clothes now. And, um, and we were talking about skinny jeans. Brie was singing up the window. She's like, she's like, your jeans aren't skinny enough. I'm like, not skinny enough. Yeah, they need to be like, <laughs> like, like jeans should, I don't know why people wear jeans. Like, just wear saran wrap and paint it. I don't know what these jeans are for, but I do know that, that we always th we're always thinking about it. We're judging people for their shoes, for their style, for their haircuts. We're judging people for their Instagram posts. We're judging people for their Facebook things. And we're saying, wow, this person, I don't know. And we've added all these things in. We've brought this mentality into the church. We're now someone that raises their hands. They must be worshiping God. Or they might be wanting to, uh, the attention for themselves. Someone that's singing really loud. They're just singing out. And you might, you might be near them. You think, wow, this person loves Jesus. Or the sound of their own voice. Motive matters. You can raise your hands, cry, and sing to the mountains for the wrong motives. You can sit quietly, not saying anything, not moving, just looking at the words, and be in the zone worshiping the Lord and being caught up in his presence. Motive matters. Every once in a while, I, um, I leave things in my car because I have kids, right? And it's, I'm not doing it intentionally. But one of the things I, that drives me crazy is when something that can grow these alien-type molds, if my kids, like, leave it in my cup holder, right? Or if they uh, leave something in my car that smells bad. For example, conch shells, love them. When you catch a conch shell and you put it in your trunk to take home to eat it, if you do that sort of thing, don't forget that it's in your trunk. Conch shell is a shellfish. I once left a conch shell in my trunk, and I was driving around, and I thought, something is not right in my car. And you could smell it, smelled like death, with death sprayed on top of it. And I thought, something's, something's dead in here. And I, I went through my car, what is dead in here? I got to find something that's dead. And I'm looking out over there, can't find anything. I find the shell, I'm like, oh, that's weird, I forgot about this. Don't even think in my dumb brain, there could have been something that's in here that was now escaped out of here. And in case you're wondering, sometimes, apparently, conks run for it out of their shells, and they die in the corner crevice of your trunk. I Febreze that thing. I was like, I don't know where it is. I'm going to Febreze it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vacuum and just Febreze. And you're like, that's dumb. you got to find what smells. No kidding. Why do we keep Febrezing our soul? Let's just cover this up a little bit. Psh, psh, psh. We do it, though. We, f we polish the outside. And we polish it by saying, if you're just like me, then you're good. But if you're different from me, you're probably not okay. Here's the deal. 
I don't care if you clap. I hope you do, if you have rhythm. If you don't, then don't. I'm down for Instagram. I don't get it. I've tried the whole duck face thing. I'm terrible at it. I don't look cute. I look like an actual duck. Uh, if you want to sing, sing. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to wear your Sunday best, if you want to wear a tuxedo next week, I triple dog dare you. Do it. Everybody, suit up. <laughs> you like that, don't you? <laughs> Little Barney Stinson for him there. I don't watch that, though, because I'm a Christian. The rule says, know how I met your mother in Jesus' name. Here's the thing, you guys. We, we've got to get rid of these rules and get back to the motivation of what matters. We have to get to the heart of why we do what we do. And we are not the morality police for one another. I, I don't like the fact that as a pastor, sometimes people think that I'm the morality patrol. I, I can't tell you the number of times people have told me, and I don't know why they're telling me, I'm a human male. They've told me, hey, um, I see this girl over here in service, and uh, she's wearing something revealing. Can you go tell her that maybe to dress a little more appropriately so she doesn't cause the men to lust? And I'm thinking, you're sending me, a man, with an aerial view of the world to a girl who you're telling me is showing too much flesh time. And you want me to go morality police her? I don't even know her. Wouldn't that be weird? Imagine this, first day here, chapel. You wanted to look fresh? So you're a lady, you come out with a swagger, bop, bop. You come up to the front, and you're wearing this thing, and it's like, hey. And the pastor, who you don't know, comes up. But you know he's a pastor because he dresses like this. And he says, excuse me, miss, you have some things out. Could you cover them next time? How many times is that lady coming back to that church family? Zero. Now, is the motivation right? You know, because now when people tell me, oh, that lady might be dressed a little provocatively, that man's jeans might be too saran wrappy. I say, well, you go talk to him about it. We're the family of Christ. I'm not like a dad with 200 orphans. Like, you're brothers and sisters. How would a healthy family guide people along? And then not, not to put the rules around them, say, you got to dress this way, you got to dress that way. Because I remember going to these Christian camps when I was a youth pastor, and all the all the girls had to wear one-pieces. This was a thing in the 90s. Like, youth groups read, I kissed dating goodbye, you burned your NSYNC and Metallica CDs, and you wore one-pieces. This is Christianity in the 90s, and you sang Shiny just Sign every week. And all I remember was, every year at, at summer camp, every girl in the youth group, because I was growing, I grew up in San Diego, Hawaii, Los Angeles, and here, that's it. I've only lived in beach cities. Every girl had to go buy a swimsuit for summer camp. Every single girl. And some of the guys are like, well, you know, um, they got to wear that one piece so we don't lust. And I'm thinking, have you met a man ever? It doesn't matter if she's wearing a one-piece, a two-piece, or a burqa. Men have testosterone from God. It's a gift from God. It's meant to rile us up to work really hard to get a wife and make a bunch of babies so that they can do it when they get older. This is what God made sex for. It's beautiful. Well, you know, as a Christian man, when I see a girl in a one-piece... Lust never exists in my mind. <laughs> but we make that weird rule. And you guys, it was a rule. Like, if you wear two pieces, you cannot swim at this camp. These Christian rules are so weird. You can't, you can't listen to this type of music or that type of music. I've confessed this before, and I'll confess it again. I have burned or broken or thrown away Metallica's Ride the Lightning album six times now. 
and I'm done with it because now I'm in the cloud, so I have it forever. Take that. And it's an amazing album. But we did that sort of thing. We made these rules. If you put this music into your ears, it's the devil's music. <laughs> if it makes you love Jesus, listen to it. If it makes your affection stir up for Jesus, be all about it. And believe me, I am. If you ever see a little Jetta with messed up rear tint rocking to Metallica, ride the lightning, going down Boya into the country, you know that I'm having a good day with the Lord. Now, I'm not saying this. Like, obviously, some music is not of God, i.e. rap. No, I'm just kidding. I, I like rap music. I like rap music. I just can't keep up. I'm more country speed, you know. I, I can sing along to music that you do better when you had one beer. If you have one beer and try to rap, it's nasty. There's another rule we have in the church. Alcohol. Alcohol. We add it on. Say, you can't drink. One of the first things I read, because people are always like, read the Gospels when you become a baby Christian. So I popped out of the Jesus womb, and I said, I'm ready to read the Gospels. And I read John, when Jesus made wine. His very first miracle. Bop. His first miracle. I did the math on this a while back. It's like over 750 bottles of wine for a party. Jesus was like, everyone has already drank through all of the wine that they provided naturally. So I'm going to give you 750 bottles of miracle Jesus juice. And people will say in the church, well, hmm, you know, you can't drink. Some people will say. And some people will say, and by the way, I get in trouble every time I talk about alcohol. My wife's like, are you going to talk about alcohol in every sermon? And I'm like, I do. I guess I do. My problem is talking about alcohol, apparently. Hello, my name is Ryan, and I talk about alcohol. Okay. <laughs> People say you don't drink. can't drink. Drink is bad. Okay, it, Jesus' first miracle was raiding heaven's wine cellar. A Pharisee, a modern-day Pharisee, will do something like this. And these are people that I know often friends that I have that have worked at Christian schools or Christian organizations, and they, they sign things. I will not drink alcohol. I will abstain from alcohol. My undergraduate school where I got my bachelor's, you had to sign something that said, we will not drink. doesn't matter if you're 21 or not. And I thought, that's odd. Jesus could not attend my college. Weird. And then people will say weird things like, well, you know, the alcohol in the Bible was different. The wine, you know, was more like our modern-day grape juice. And I think, well, that's weird. Because there's a bunch of verses about people getting hammered on Welch's then. I've got to get some of that Welch's juice box kit. And then in our church, we have separate rules. Because we're like more like Jesus saved us, freed us. We are no longer under the law. We're free in Christ to love him and live for him passionately. But we still do rules. We're at a, at a church like ours, we're like a two-beer kind of church. You can go out. You can have one beer. It's okay. Two beers, mm, pushing it, depending on, on how you tolerate it. Three beers. You better call Uber because the devil's driving you home. We do this. I've seen it happen, you guys. I've seen people, and it, I've seen people berate, and I've been berated by other believers for being in public with alcohol near me. And just to see people that would throw judgment upon me, whom I know drink freely and liberally at their homes, but they don't do it in public. Here's a good thing you should try on. Whatever you're motivated to love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, however you are in private should be the same as in public. It's, it's difficult if you're going to be a Christian and have to wear two different masks. 
the Pharisees always had to keep their guard up. You can ask my wife or my brother. I'm pretty much the same guy. I'm probably worse, actually, up here than I am at home, to be honest. Because it's exhausting. The Pharisees had to pretend to get God's approval. I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to perform. You don't have to do anything other than come to Christ by faith. In that moment, when you understand how much he loves you, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was, but now I'm, was, but now I. We are a bunch of blind, wretched, lost people that Jesus says, I choose you and I love you and I don't care what you are in. I don't care what struggle, I don't care what sins you're in. God says, I choose you and I love you and I'm not, I love you so much I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to pull you up. And as Christians, we, we just want to perform. As Christians, I, I have these memories of, of, of people who want to earn God's love, whether by how much they do for God or how much they give to God. The motive matters. If you are trying to earn God's love, your motivation is broken. If you are re reacting to God's love for you and living for him because you love him and are loved by him, that's a different lifestyle. The one that's trying to earn God's love is like the, the man who lost his millions in the recession, and this large man was crying on me. I shared before, just weeping on me. And I said, dude, you got to come back to, to church gathering, man. And he said, I can't come back because I can't give like I used to because he used to be very generous in supporting the, the church where I was working. And he said, I can't give anymore, so how can I come back and show my face? How can I be a part of this family? I can't donate money anymore. I've lost it all. I said, dude, if that's the reason you're going, that's, that's the wrong motivation. You can't buy God's love, but we do. Some of us do it with money. Some of us do it with attendance. And I know you do it because I do it too. You think that, ah, oh, I didn't go to church gathering this Sunday. That's why I got this bill, or that's why my tire exploded, or that's why my fridge broke. I'll tell you what. Last week, uh, downstairs bathroom flooded just into my den. I had to throw away the stuff. It's still all disheveled in there. Got to fix that. Don't even know why the toilet flooded. There's a demon in there. Or toilet paper. <laughs> My dishwasher's broken. That's a blessing when you have a family with six people in it. Six people. My kids only use a cup once. They think that cups are one-time use, even though they're made out of glass. So we're washing. Things are flooding. My kids are just always sick because they don't follow these Pharisee rules and wash before they eat. And yet... And yet, not once this week was I thinking, oh, I must really be making God mad about something. You know why? Because God says, in Christ, your sins are removed from you as far as the east is from the west. I literally don't even get that. I have a public education. I don't get it. How far is east from west? Like, it just keeps going. I don't know what it means in the Bible when it says the omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe remembers your sins no more. What? What is, what is this Godnesia stuff? How does it work? How does God remember my sins no more when I can remember every one of my wife's sins she's ever done? And she mine. And me and my kids, right? You get in a fight with your spouse or your best friend, all of a sudden, they're dropping bombs from 20 years ago. And God's like, what? I don't even remember. I don't even know how this works. I don't remember anything. Don't you guys listen to my word? 
Look, I can't give you the theological answer for it, but I can tell you that in Christ, it's buried. That song that we sang says, we are pressed between, uh, underneath the crimson flood, we're covered. That means that his blood literally covers us. And when God sees you, your sin is as far as the east is from the west. He can't remember your sin. He's looking at, he's looking at you saying, did Anthony sin? And Anthony's like, every hour. And his wife's like, last minute. And God goes, no, 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 he's covered. I don't see that anymore. I don't see, I don't see the shakers. Do they, do they, have, do they have some sin in their life? They're, God's like, oh, they're covered. I covered them. Now, they may not see that because I don't see it. I don't see it with my wife. I don't look at my wife when we're in the middle of a fight and env- envision the blood of Jesus covering her, and now she's pure and white as snow. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not there when she's like mad and I'm mad, and I'm not saying, white as snow, white as snow. No. I'm like, your sins are scarlet, woman. We just do it. We're always afraid of what people will think. We always have to hold up this image. Last night, my wife busted her lip on a burrito. I kid you not. She walks into the room and says, ah, I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, I busted my lip on a burrito. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, you better tell people it was a burrito and not me because it was just a fat lip. And I put that on Facebook because I can, because I'm an American. And then people were like, oh, Ryan, you did hit your woman. And it made more sense. Like she was trying to cut a burrito, holding a bowl, and the fork like flipped over, and the bowl smacked her in the face, and the burrito went down her shirt, which is the greatest of all the tragedies, a wasted burrito. But I thought, <laughs> I thought, it's crazy. We're going to go to church tomorrow. Pastor's wife has a fat lip. And I'm thinking, some of them think I popped you. Alan came up to me between services and said, yo, did you hit your wife? I said, what of it, little man? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I said, dude, it was a burrito. Ask her. But doesn't that sound like that corny ER thing? Doctor, I swear it was the burrito. Oh my gosh. And we're all guards up. Worries there. Appearances, 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 appearances matter. We have to put these down as followers of God. We need to stick to what the word says and be all about what Jesus commands us in his word. And it's at the foremost core, it's do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself? If you're doing these things, the rest of these peripheral rules fall away. If you're saying, I'm going to love God with everything, and I want you to love God with everything, it becomes way less awkward when you're out there and that person has that third, fourth, fifth beer. And people, people will say, well, you've had too much to drink. Yeah, no kidding, dude. I, I barely passed chemistry, but I get this. So what do you do? Do you condemn them? No. Can I tell you a secret? Is Jackson in here? Oh, he's in here. I can't tell you a secret. Okay, I'm going to tell you a secret. At one point in the future, one of my kids is going to do something incredibly dumb. You tracking with me? Tracking with me. Let's think Jesus' first miracle dumb. Like many of you have. You've had too much to drink. You've made those empty promises to God. God, I'll never drink again. How you react to another believer sinning in some way that you have deemed extra bad is going to show where you're at in this religious spectrum. Like, I don't know how I'm going to react. I know some of you have gone through it. Some of you have adult children. Some of you have grandchildren now that are probably trying to sneak out. 
How you react, though, will tell you more about your heart than their heart. Because guess what kids do? Dumb things. And here's a newsflash for you kids. Don't look at grown-ups and think that we've grown out of it. We just have cars and houses to hide our dumb things behind walls. <laughs> so I could either come down on them and say, you're grounded for life. Or I can say, you made a poor decision. Isn't it amazing that Jesus would see how foolish you'd be and still love you and choose you? Isn't it amazing that Jesus would see this moment where you just made an idiot out of yourself and he would still love you and choose you? Isn't it amazing that God would make your body throw up when you did something so dumb to keep you from dying? That's a different thing than being the dad that says, that's it. You're never going out of the house again. Just beating him with a burrito. <laughs> Motive matters. Search your motives this week about how you view others. If you hold them to a higher standard, because remember the standard that God held you to. The standard was you bring nothing, he gives you everything. The standard is you cannot buy it because he paid it all. The standard is you're never good enough because you're a wretch, but Jesus was good enough for every moral requirement of the law. When you remember where God found you, let that guide the way you view others so that whether you eat or drink, you do it unto the Lord or abstain unto the Lord. Whether you wear a suit or jeans, you do one for God and God alone and the other for God and God alone. If you dance in your underwear, I'll kick you out. But other than that, you're like, well, it's in the Bible, Ryan. Fine. It says that he was doing it through the streets on the way to the temple area. So if you want to start in your underwear, you got to start at Park Square and do the tango all the way down. Okay? And then I'll kick you out. I don't know how to solve that one. Like some honorary teenager is going to be like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'll say, honor your mother and father. That's also in the Bible. Mothers and fathers, get my back. No naked kids in Fishhawk. That's all over the area neighborhood page. <laughs> Motive matters, you guys. Do not leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men. We must, we must see the difference between man-made rules and God's eternal word or else we likewise will go astray. Remember who has called you and saved you and cling to him. Let's pray. Father, it's, it blows my mind, Lord, that you would, would choose people like us in this room. God, people from every background, people struggling with more things than any one of us could ever fathom. Lord, whether it's greed or pride or selfishness or some addiction, some brokenness of past where shame has swallowed them up, some anger. Lord, it's, it's amazing to me. It's amazing grace that you look down and you see us and you say, I love, I love you. I love you. I'll, I sent my son to die for you. I love you. Lord, it's amazing that you would say that to me. Help us to understand the reality, Lord, that you see us clearly. And when we can finally live in that freedom, nothing can hold us back. Lord, when we can live and see ourselves as you see us, nothing can hold us back from chasing after you and not worrying about the opinions of others. Lord, when we see how forgiven we are, we can finally leave the shame at the cross and be free. I pray that people would leave here today, Lord, being able to exhale their religion and inhale grace. I pray that, I pray that couples and families and kids 
and friends and, and coworkers and bosses to be able to look at each other through a new lens this week, a lens where we don't apply man-made rules, but we see people as you see them, objects of love and adoration, people to be engaged with, with respect and dignity, no matter who they are or what they believe or what they do. Lord, lead us this week in Jesus' name, amen.